your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 552 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And just like that, the Belleville Sens are on the brink of elimination. That was a tough overtime loss, Ross. They're up 3-0 and they lose 4-3. Next two games are at home, though, so we're hoping that they can bounce back. Not unlike the Tampa Bay Lightning bounce back up against the Leafs and Minnesota Wild, Edmonton Oilers. We had a bunch of bounce back games. Oh, just series extending, which we hope to see in Belleville as well. You're not in trouble until you lose on home ice. Hey, did the Leafs do that? We'll get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, May 5th. We want to wish a happy 23rd birthday to Josh Norris Pilsy to me. Just sounds like he's entering his prime. Oh yeah, happy birthday to Noof and what a season to come off uh, only 23 years old. Sometimes I forget how young him, Brady, Shabbat, Timmy, like all these guys. There he is if you're watching on YouTube, Noof coming onto the ice, an absolute beauty and Sometimes I forget how young these guys are just because it already seems like they're so comfortable in the NHL. And those four guys, and you could throw Drake Batheson in there too, they're already the core of this team and they're all in their early 20s. There is only good times to come for them and they're only going to get better and better and better. Unbelievable. It's going to be a nice birthday gift when his next contract comes. I feel like it's worth touching on right now, Pelzi, because... Based on what he said on his end of season availability, it might not be a storyline that shifts throughout the season. If they are to get something done quickly, where do you see that range? Because I think the longer we go on, the higher the number gets. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say uh, for sure. Because you look at, uh, it's the same agent. Brady uh, just went through this. He's going to be talking with Brady. Brady waited until he got the deal he wanted. So if the Sens want to get this done, Pierre Dorian mentioned it, and it's kind of funny that he he tried to, to sneak it off, saying, hey, we wanted to get this deal done earlier. Obviously, Josh Norris doesn't want to get that deal done earlier because he knows he's got more in store, where Dorian's trying to tell the fans, like, hey, it's not on us. We tried to get this done before. It's on them. But hopefully, we can get this done before training camp. That's for damn sure. We can't have another top-line guy miss training camp and miss the first couple games of an NHL season. That's how you get off to yet another bad start. So I would say hopefully we're looking at this getting done sometime after the draft. I wouldn't mind if the Sens focus on the draft, figure things out, uh, kind of see where all the chips align because they might make a big move at the draft just like they did in 2020, although that big move was Matt Murray, so maybe not uh, exactly what everyone was looking for, but it was a big move nonetheless that helped shape the roster and helped uh, them form what kind of idea and what needs they need going into the offseason. So I really think it's going to happen sometime right after the draft, Ross. 
Well, the draft isn't until the start of July. Like, I feel like there's a little bit of wiggle room right now where why not get on the phone, figure it out with Craig Oster. I mean, the the, the season's done for them. Other teams are yeah. still going. So those players who are, are represented by Newport, not like they don't have the manpower, obviously one of the biggest Definitely. agencies yeah. in the world. So it's not like they're like, ah, you know what? I got to deal with this guy and that guy first. But still. Why not give him a call and try to get this done as soon as possible? Just hearing the way Josh spoke about Ottawa being in a situation to succeed right away, playing with his best friend Brady had a great post. Those guys, they look like they're ten years old together <laughs> in that photo they posted. It was with the U.S. Uh, junior program, but man, he's found a home here. It's on the top line for now. Although Tim Stutz is already nipping at his heels since shifting over to the middle of the ice and. Does that affect your offer to Josh Norris at the end of the day, knowing that Tim Stutzla could end up being, or will, I'd say, probably more likely, that number one center by as soon as this upcoming season? I don't think it happens this season, but the the next season, I think that's probably when we could see that shift, depending on who, who they acquire in the offseason to kind of shore up that top six. But I think it's something, if you're the Senators, you need to consider, right? Because... I think everyone can see the emergence of Tim Stutzla now that he's a full-time centerman up the middle of the ice and how well that's translated to his game and how it's helped him really find new heights points-wise. Uh, that's for damn sure. So I think you got to be cognizant of that when you're talking to Josh Norris. And if you're going long-term, hopefully you can end up saving a little bit, right? Like I think if they did a bridge deal with Norris, then that next contract would be massive. Whereas if they can get him locked down long-term and I still think the Nick Suzuki contract is, is right around the ballpark of what you're looking at for Norris. I think it's a little high. I think it's a bad contract. I'm not saying I think yeah. Norris is a worse player than Suzuki, but I'm looking at that. And if I'm Pierre Doria, I'm saying, yeah, well, the guy who signed him to that contract was fired like two months later. <laughs> yeah, and he made a flurry of crazy deals right before he got fired. Yeah, that's yeah. that's fair. But I, I think around that range is what makes sense. And cap-wise, that's going to fit into your cap structure, especially when you look at, like, Brady Kachuk's the highest paid player on this team at, at just, what, 8.2 or something like that. So And he's locked up. So you've got guys locked up a decent term here and I think there's no reason why they can't get a deal done here and I, I really think Timmy's going to be the guy that does does a bridge deal I don't think they're going to be able to lock Timmy up long term as well so I think you got to focus on getting Norris locked up because you, you mentioned it he's here with his best friend he's not going to get this opportunity anywhere else and he's already thriving he's a big part of the culture and I think those guys, especially the ones close to, to Brady, to Shabbat, they know the culture and they can see that the leadership is sound here and that things are looking good for the future. They're not just going to be a rebuilding team year in and year out once all the the prospects and everything's ready to go here. So I, I think if you're Norris, you want to get this done quickly and long term as well. 35 goals in 66 games this year. He's got a, a 125 NHL games under his belt, 90 points. However, he's also got the second highest shooting percentage in the NHL since the 05-06 lockout. Pilsy, that's not sustainable as good of a shooter as Josh Norris is. That worries me a little bit if we are going long-term, and I'd flip it on you there. I would say Josh Norris give the bridge deal to Prove it Ooh. to me that you can produce goals that consistently for two, three more years, and then we'll pay you as much as, as you deem fit. Tim Stutzel, you have to lock up long-term. He is the best player on this team and will be 
for the next 10 years. But I think that's why Tim Stutzel will be hesitant to not do Pay a him. long-term deal. Pay him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll we'll definitely get into the Tim Stutzel talks later on. So we'll we'll bookshelf that one for now. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it is three, three, three times 6.5. I think I think that's pretty fair. That's a lot of money, man, for a guy who's played 125 NHL games. Yeah. I just like to see a little more consistency, and not that he hasn't had the opportunity to be consistent. He played a 56 game season, then was unbelievable this year, despite missing almost 20 games with injury. But that shooting percentage, almost 20 percent in his career, that's pretty unsustainable. You look at goalie save percentage are, are usually like what 905 to 915 is probably the the average which would mean that the typical shooting percentage math guy is about oh, 9%. <laughs> he's more than double the average shooting percentage. And I get that he's a great shooter in his office and elsewhere, but that is a very big discrepancy. Yeah, and that's fair. And you got to look at that. But I think he can maintain a good shooting percentage. Like the amount of shots he takes, the ability for him to get into the right spots, his release all these kinds of things I think are going to be sustainable. Is it at a 20% clip? Probably not. I'd say probably somewhere between 14 to 17% range is, is something that he could do, especially with the amount of power play time he gets and his success in his office. I, I think if, like you mentioned, if you're going for a three-year deal, six and a half, that makes sense. But that's why I think you should go long-term. And I think Norris probably wants to go long-term and bump it up to somewhere around uh, over $7 million AAV and get him locked up long-term. Because even, even if he becomes your second-line center, paying a second-line center that can score you, let's, let's say we knock that shooting percentage down a little, but then he plays a full season, he's going to be a consistent 30-goal scorer. I feel like that's very fair to say. If you can get a second-line center that's a consistent 30-goal scorer for under $8 million, I think you're looking all right. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, another comparable that's out there, and I don't think he hits this ceiling, is Jack Hughes, first overall pick. He's obviously got that pedigree. On November 30th, before he really broke out, he signed an 8 by 8 contract. So I think that would be the absolute above ceiling. That's the penthouse if he's talking about getting to the top but floor. That's essentially the Brady Kachuk deal, right? Because Jack Hughes is their guy and Brady Kachuk is right. the Sens guy. So I think that's where you get that that boost and that confidence. And just that's the team telling the fans, hey, we're not messing around anymore. We're keeping our guy around. So I don't think Josh Norris quite has that leverage. Right. Well, their other first overall pick, Nico Heischer, signed a, a seven-year contract at 7.25. I'd be a lot more comfortable with that type of deal versus what Nick Suzuki got at 7.875. Yeah, and I think that's fair. That's why I said somewhere around that range, right? So somewhere seven years, somewhere seven million, I, I think would work. And uh... my, my my ceiling there, if he doesn't want to go se under 7.5 on a long-term contract, then I probably shift and just do the three-year. Yeah, that's fair. Sick player, though. Like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm... I'm torching him or, or trying to take him to arbitration, anything like that. Obviously not eligible. I just mean the circumstances of just tearing apart his game and and bringing up all the flaws because there aren't really many. This guy's well over 50% in the faceoff dot, which you don't often see for young centermen. He can hit. He can set up his teammates as well. He's starting to kill penalties. No doubt. Yeah, and, and bounce back from a big injury. So it shows yep. the work ethic to get back from what – I think some people would have thought was was a season-ending injury, but battled back and and was great for it. So 
Happy 23rd birthday to Josh Norris. Bottom line, Pilsy, he's going to get paid. Yeah, exactly. If, if we can wrap this all up in, in a in a nice happy birthday wish, unlike our Aaron Dell happy birthday wishes, mm. it would be the fact that regardless of what Josh Norris is going to do, long-term, short-term, whatever, the man's going to get paid. When you get 30-plus goals in your second season in not even a full 82-game season, <laughs> your money's coming. Don't you worry, Noof. Your money's it coming. It certainly is. Let us know in the comments what you think Josh Norris's next contract should be and what you think it will be. Plenty more coming up. We've got the Belleville Senators' disappointing loss last night. All of a sudden, they go from the highs of entering the playoffs to the lows of being one game away from elimination. We'll also get to some Stanley Cup playoff talk. And Pilsy's got another parlay of the day. And... We forgot to do Tankathon yesterday, Pilsy. Oh, I gave yeah. two spins. Uh, we had a, a YouTube comment. Love everyone keeping us honest there <laughs> in, in the YouTube chat. We need that from time to time, although it didn't work out too well. Robert Gagnon asked about Tankathon, so I gave it two spins, Pilsy. Both times, the Sens drop one spot to eight. So right now, we've done four spins. Four eights. Every single one. Crazy eights, you could say. Pilsy, <laughs> yeah. before we get to all that, You've got a word from our friends at Athletic Greens. Yep, Athletic Greens is my daily health insurance, and it can be yours too, guys. It's simple. Just one scoop of uh, AG1 into your morning water every day, and you're going to have better health, better energy, an optimized immune system, and you don't have to take pills, vitamins, all. You don't need to go to your doctor to get a subscription. None of this stuff because AG1 is packed with over 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, super sourced, whole food sourced superfoods. That's a tongue twister, probiotics, and more to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, aging, all the things that you want. It's lifestyle friendly, guys. So if you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you're covered. Don't worry about it. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And hey, still manages to make it taste good. I enjoy it every day. Check out AG1, and not only is it good for you, it, they're focused on making the world a better place. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. They're doing their part to keep the climate good. So right now, it's your time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop into your cup of water, guys. It's easy. So to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Once more, guys, visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance from Athletic Greens. We're on to Belleville. That should be the slogan for the Belleville Senators after playing the first game of their best of three series in Rochester. They'll be home for game two on Friday and then game three, if necessary, 2 p.m. start, sorry, 3 Eastern on Sunday afternoon. And we hope that game is necessary after a 4-3 overtime loss. The goal with three minutes left in that first overtime period. Just a little deflection from a point shot and man. That was so close to offside. 
He pulled it out. It was a complete brain fart by the guy at the at the point. And then as he realized that he pulled it so far, he's like, I better rip this on net. Boom. Next thing you know, Belleville sinks 4-3, the final score. But it got off to a great start, Pilsy. 2-0 yeah. after the first period. Aaron Dell made three saves, allowed two goals. Everything was smooth sailing. And it felt even better once Rourke Chartier, in his first game in six weeks, made it 3-0 midway through the second. It stayed that way until three minutes into the third period. And then... The wheels really fell off in that third period. The wheels certainly fell off. And the Rochester crowd, shout out to them. It was over 6,000 people there for an AHL crowd. That's pretty good. They got rowdy. And when the Americans got their first goal, you could feel that building really wake up. And that team started to have faith that they could do it. And Philip Gustafson, he had to make a lot of really good saves. But the Americans, their pressure was just so intense in the offensive zone. You knew they were going to break through eventually. And... We talked about it, the reinforcements for this series, Ross. Uh, in my opinion, the biggest swinging point for this game was Peyton Krebs, Casey Fitzgerald. They were so good. Casey Fitzgerald had a, had a goal and I think two assists. Peyton Krebs had two assists. And they were the guys that set up this comeback. And they were a big part of why the Rochester Americans were able to push through and get the overtime win here. And Aaron Dell, like you said, he started this game off absolutely brutal. One yeah. shot, one goal. That's how Belleville started things off. And then at the second half of this game, he was an absolute animal. Like Belleville, to start overtime, they had so many grade-A chances. Like Ross, Well, his ch- defenseman bailed him out on one of them. Yes, that is true. But the, the kind of chances where like you're out of your seat and you're like, oh, like how did yeah. how did that not go in? Like three or four times to start overtime, that happened. And Belleville outshot them in the overtime frame as well. And... Like most playoff overtime goals, it's just a lucky bounce, a lucky deflection, puck trickling through, and that ends it all. And that is so tough for the Belleville Senators because you get home ice advantage and you're down one nothing, and you lose on the road. And I don't, I, I don't even want to talk about this, Ross, but the possibility that Belleville's first ever home playoff game could be an elimination game. They're done already. That is insane to think of. So, like I said on the postcast, if you guys are in the Belleville area, Bay of Quinty, get out to the game, get fired up so that you too can give Belleville the home advantage with a loud crowd if they're down and they need a pickup. So, definitely get out to the game, guys. Yeah, I'm looking here at single game tickets in Belleville, and there's some seats available, but it should be a good crowd. They need the support, man. This uh, This is too good of a team to go out in two games, Pelzi. Will we see Ridley Gregg in the lineup? I think so. I, I think so. And it depends on Victor Lodine, too, because um, if you guys missed it, uh, I did the postcast with Everyday Sends. Shout out at Everyday Sends. Great dude. Thanks for joining. We had a great chat. And uh, we were talking about sure, you may have two guys in Lodine and Gregg ready to come into the lineup, but who do you take out? Like, this is such a deep Belleville team. Eh. We thought Matthew Wedman, dash three in a playoff game where you lose 4-3, you probably take a seat after that one. So he comes out. So either Lodine or Greg comes uh, comes in for him. And then you got to swap one more guy out. And Zach Sinitian was a healthy scratch, which obviously oh, he didn't. Ridley, Ridley's playing before Sinitian. Oh, definitely. But who do you, now, if you take uh, Wedman out for Lodine, now who do you take out for Greg? It's kind of, it's kind of tough to, to choose here. And... I don't think... I've got an easy one. I'd take out Clark Bishop. Yeah, fair. 
that was the second guy I was thinking of for sure. But Tro- Troy Mann, I, th- I think he might like uh, Clark Bishop, some veteran uh, depth down the middle. But that's where I would go as well to get Ridley in here. I don't think we're going to see Boucher. I, I just no. He's not ready for the AHL, let alone AHL playoff action, just jumping in like that. And we right. probably don't see Carson Latimer either. So a, a boost of low Dean and Ridley Gregg, you get some high-octane offense and uh, just classic shit disturber. You throw those into the mix in a playoff series, and that should give you a boost. Yeah, they well, they need a boost because Rochester, they the better team won. Yep, that's in, fair. in last night's game. Now, Belleville had 10 of their 27 shots in overtime, only 17 in regulation for them, but couldn't get it done. It was a game without many penalties. I actually appreciate that. The refs let them play. Yep. Uh, a lot of times the Rochester crowd was hoping for a penalty. They were they were rattled on a few random plays, too, that just didn't make any sense. But yeah. you got to love the passion there. It's playoff hockey, and their fans online, all seven of them are extremely passionate. Holy <laughs> hell, they're going at you. You got the... Uh, Rochester Amarks, uh, their Twitter account coming back, snapping back. I guess they didn't like getting ratioed on the Aaron <laughs> Dell tweet. tweet. <laughs> on a happy birthday tweet. Everyone, you know, telling everyone where to put it. But I love Philip Gustin's game last night. I don't know if you guys spoke about that on the po- yep. on the postcast. Didn't love the third goal. Thought he was kind of caught moving the wrong way on that one. Let a lot of room on, on the left side. It was also down a little too early got up on his wrong leg just a very awkward situation but he made a lot of 10 bell saves Gus was certainly um, more positive than negative for him last night yeah I would agree and it's going to be interesting to see how he's doing Ross because he took a really hard shot and as attendees we know this here from the front you're you're covered like you got your armor nothing's going to hurt you but from the side and the back he took a, a puck right to the back side of the leg where there's not as much padding there. And he actually went down in so much pain that, and this this one, I, I agree with the fans for being upset. The refs blew down the play right as Paterka was winding up a wrist shot in the Josh Norris office. And Gustafson just went down and the, and the refs blew it down, which that is, that's not really acceptable, especially in a playoff game when you have offensive uh, possession. Respect the refs, respecting Philip Gustafson as as a person and a human, being like, "Hey, he's hurt. We got to stop this." But I was very surprised to see them blow that down, and he was down on the ice in a lot of pain. Like he's going to have a big bruise there, and we don't know what's up with Mad Sogard. Mando, fortunately, was backing up, and I'm sure he could have gone in if he needed to. But hopefully, Gustafson's all right because. This is going to be the biggest game of Gustafson's hockey career right now. Like it's it's going to be mm. massive. Well, yeah, he Fun. did gold medal game at the World Juniors. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'll I'll concede first NHL there. game. I would say not. Nah, I would put this above his first NHL game, right. man, because there. I hope not a lot. Of, I hope he keeps his feeling in his hand then. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't get the the hot hand in a negative uh, way when he when he gets stressed out. His hands get hot here, but. Uh, I would say this is the biggest game of his professional uh, career. We'll, we'll say that because if he loses this game, especially if it's on him, man, like there are a lot of attendees in this organization. They're talking about keeping three goalies up uh, with the big club. And if you can't prove you can get it done in big moments down in the AHL and he's had his time in the AHL. It's going to be tough sledding for him going forward. So I really hope I'm a Gus guy. You guys know that. I'm really hoping he has a big game and he can lead this team to all the way to the third game of this series. <laughs> 28 saves on 32 shots. 
for Philip Gustafson last night. If you want more in-depth analysis of last night's game, go check out the postcast on your audio feeds, or you can check it out on our YouTube channel, Locked On Senators. We'd appreciate if you hit the subscribe button while you're on there. We'd also appreciate, if you are into gambling, to go check out betonline.net. It's the number one sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network, and for good reason as well. They've got all the latest props, odds, and lines you can bet on fun things as well, like where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best also for your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. It's betonline.net, where the game starts. All right, Pilsy. So, day three is in the books at the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. It's been a quiet playoff so far for Sens Abroad. If you haven't been introduced to the Sens Abroad, you can go check that out on Monday's episode of Locked On Senators. But the great news, rejoice. The Tampa Bay Lightning have stolen one on the road, and they're heading back down to Florida. Ross, uh, we did my parlay yesterday, and I bet on the Leafs to mush them. But really, I mean... Death, taxes, and the Tampa Bay Lightning winning a playoff game after losing one like that. That should have been one that even the ultimate power of the Pilsy Parlay mush could not squash there. Because I would have hit yesterday. I had Toronto and Minnesota. So that one would have hit. And that would have been uh, that would have been real nice. We'll, we'll get to my parlay of the day at the end of the episode. So make sure you guys are listening along for that. But yeah, you, you just knew Tampa wasn't going to allow that. And they got off to a good, good lead early. And... Wayne Simmons talked about it. He was a big reason why they lost this game. I mean, you look at an undisciplined play from uh, Clifford to start game one, luckily for, for the Leafs. Luckily, that one didn't come back to bite them. But then their other gritty veteran that they bring in for this type of playoff atmosphere, he's undisciplined yet again. He gets two penalties. They get two power play goals on that. So they're, they're going to have to figure out a way to kind of stifle the Tampa Bay Lightning without crossing the lines here because you cannot allow that power play to have multiple chances. They'll take advantage. Sheldon Kiefer relies on his big guns a lot more than most. Like Mitch Marner played 23 and a half minutes in last night's game. I mean, over six of them were on the power play. Matthews up near 21. They both get multi-point nights. Michael Bunting scores in his first game after missing game yep. one due to injury, but you just knew that the big dogs were going to wake up on Tampa, Hedman, Kucherov, Point, all scoring for for uh, Tampa. And I loved Ian Mendez's tweet there, though, because it was 5-1 midway through the third period, and then the <laughs> Leafs scored twice in quick succession. He said that maybe you should call a timeout here, and Nick Paul should be the guy who comes in and says, you know what? I've seen a 5-1 lead disintegrate in this building before. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely true. Nick Paul knows all about that, and yeah, Vasilevsky he had a great game. The Leafs What's thought that now though, fifteen and zero in the last two playoffs. Well, now three playoffs after a loss. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a little nugget I'm gonna keep in inside for Pilsy's parlay of the day. That's for 14 sure. Fourteen and zero wasn't good enough. No, apparently not. Apparently not. I was. I, I told you I was yeah. not ready. I spend so much meticulous. Time, Ross, 
preparing analysis stats insight for my pillsy's parlay of the day so that one that one threw me off and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna chalk that up for for the loss that time okay. I, i'm feeling confident tonight though <laughs> oh before we move on from this game we had a sicko sighting shout yes, out to sicko uh, sighting. shout out to chris hilgenberger who we met at the meetup he was a part of the sends uh, Central Citizens, absolute beauty. He's the dude that brought his men's uh, hockey championship trophy with him. And if you guys were at the meetup, uh, shout out, shout out, Chris and, and his buddy. I'm blanking on his buddy's name right now. I apologize, but they he, brought his their... buddy was rocking a signed Danny Heatley jersey and a Senegoth one too, yes, wasn't it? The black yeah. one. So that was pretty Sick. legendary. But big move, bringing your trophy around, and it's a keg, like literally <laughs> a keg with a cup on it, like a chalice, and they were drinking beers out of it at the bar. So that's an ultimate legendary move. So uh, just had to shout that out. Well done, Chris. And here we go with the send Sicko in the sea of blue. You absolutely love to see it. I'm going to get a close-up for you as well. Adam Zucala got the close-up there. Student at the College of Sports Media. So we Oh, yeah. There we go. That. So I tweeted out uh, the photo. I retweeted Chris here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the one sicko red Senegoth front and center here. And I said, we need to identify this man. And shout out Adam Zucala, College of Sports Media, Stick Taps. We always yep. love to see that. Yeah. Um, he posted, oh, I got to delete another photo here. He posted saying that he saw him at Maple Leaf Square before the game. Boom, Tom Brown. Shout out Tom Brown. Not the namesake for Tom Brown Arena in Ottawa, but... Nonetheless, safety first for this kid. Yeah, that that's awesome, and hey, if you're a Sens fan at it's not called Jurassic Park when the Leafs are there. What do you call it? Leafs Garden or the the Leaf Pile? I don't know. Who cares? Um, but it, <laughs> yeah, that's what I, actually that's what I'm going to call it. He's in the Leaf Pile. He's a big part of that Leaf Pile. And if you're a Sens fan in the Leaf Pile, you better be wearing a helmet because uh, things might get a little hostile, especially if it's a Leafs loss and he's cheering Tampa goals, which I'm sure he was. Oh, yeah. Safety first. You might want some headgear protection. Yeah. Well, he got to cheer five goals and Tampa yep. Bay ties the series at one. Three of the four series last night, even the series. The only one that didn't is Carolina continued their domination on the Boston Bruins. Friend of the show at Spoked Z called the Boston Bruins the most vibeless team in NHL history. So I'm officially... Does he know the Leafs? Eh, maybe. <laughs> That's actually a good point. However, I'm changing my prediction. Not officially. Official predictions are written in stone in hieroglyphics. You're unofficially changing? Okay. I'm, I'm unofficially changing my prediction. Kane's in five. Boston might get one, but this has been a complete shit-kicking left, right, center. Yeah. And did you see the hit that Andrei Sveshnikov put on Hampus Lindholm? Look out. Yeah, and I, Ross, I watched that hit so many times. That's a great hit. I, I saw a bunch of people saying headshot, can't have that, blah, blah, blah. This is the playoffs, and when you're coming around the net like that. Keep your head up. Colby Armstrong made a career out of blowing guys up like that. Not that we're big Colby Armstrong guys on this show. That's for damn sure. But he, like, you need to know that is the most vulnerable part of the ice, I would say. Because you think you have the protection of the net. You're trying to corral the puck, and then you're looking, you look up to find a way to uh, get rid of the puck, and boom, he claps him. And I thought, I thought he got perfect contact there. I don't think he got the, the head at all. And of course, I want to follow this up with we're hoping that um, Hampus Lindholm is okay. He had that, uh, you don't ever well, want to see Well, the guy in this. Rochester had it too. 
Yeah, exactly. You don't ever want to see a guy get hit hard and then he tries to get up and he's oh, super this... wobbly and he needs yeah. support. Like we, we don't want to see that at all. We're never cheering for injuries or for intent to injure, but playoff hockey, you got, you got to be responsible for your own safety. And that was just a good clean hit. So, and you can't, you can't get mad at that. That needs to be a part of the game. That hockey is a violent game. I, it, It's just the way it is. And I thought that was a good hit all around. Yeah, no question about that. Um, no intent to injure, but he certainly finished strong Oof. through the body of Hampus Lindholm. And we hope that Lindholm is doing all right. Like the sh- the stick shattered, yeah. everything. Uh, so we are wishing the best for Hampus Lindholm here going forward. Although I don't think it's going to be much of a, a longer road here for the Boston Bruins. Maybe, just maybe, we see the entry of Ascends Abroad, though, if Lindholm can't go. And of course, we hope that he's good to go. But both Josh Brown and Mike Riley, healthy scratches for both games one yeah. and two of this series. And Derek Stepan, a healthy scratch for Carolina. So tough, tough series if you're looking at it from a sense yeah. uh, a broad standpoint. But this, uh, this team's a wagon. Although you could have seen this coming from a mile away. Speaking of injuries, Anti Ranta hurt on a collision in the first period. We pr- projected that to happen. Pretty quickly here, we know Freddie Anderson's already out. So Pyotr Kuchkov is uh, is the goalie of choice. He went one selection before Mad Sogard in the 2019 draft. He was getting in the mix with Brad Marchand. I love, I love what I'm seeing yep. out of this kid. He reminds me a little bit of Peter Mrazek. I don't know if it was because of the Hurricanes colors, but a little bit of a smaller guy and just in the mix all the time. So yep. we'll see if he, if he can uh, keep stealing games here. And I... I think they're in the Bruins' head. Like, you you put that big hit in. You put the the third-string rookie goalie going right after Marchand. I think they're living rent-free in their head now. And in Boston... They the dominated Bron- them all regular season, too. Yeah, exactly. And they're up 2-0. And now Boston coming back home. They're going to be pissed off, especially if things don't go their way. And I think the wheels are going to fall off. And they're going to get some more undisciplined uh, penalties here. And it's going to be tough. Carolina had nine power plays last night. Yeah, and that's another team where their power play is absolutely loaded with talent. You're never going to win if you give them that 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 many opportunities. That's crazy. Two for nine. Carolina goes on the power <sighs> play. Boston went one for five. So the refs, at least they're being a little more consistent here. They're calling penalties in the playoffs like you wouldn't believe. And we're seeing goals in the playoffs like you wouldn't believe. The two games we've already talked about, winning team had five goals. The other two games, the winning team had six goals. Minnesota, did you see the the hat trick that wasn't and then it was? Yeah, that's that's tough because that was a home crowd hat trick. The first ever playoff hat trick for the Wild. We wasted the good hat throw on you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the hockey gods, Ross, they taketh away and they giveth. Because shortly after, Kirill Kaprizov gets the empty netter and he gets the legit hat trick. The problem is... Every single friggin' hat in the building has already been scooped off the ice. So there's, it was one of the saddest hat tricks ever because there's only like, only the guys that were like, I'm not throwing my hat on the ice for this hat trick. Like they were yeah. the only guys left with hats. So yeah. how many of those guys are throwing their hats after? There was only a handful of them. So a little less emphatic there. But 
great story nonetheless, and they still get a uh, the first ever playoff hat trick for that franchise. And of course, it's Kirill Kaprizov. Like that makes sense. Shocker. And yeah. he scored those two goals. Well, three if you count the one that was ultimately uh, disallowed. And it was Erickson Eck that uh, would have had the first. Oh, one. right. Sorry, yeah. sorry. You're right. You're right. No, good, good call there. Um, but it was in such quick succession. It was what, like ten seconds later? It felt like it was right away. It wasn't very uh, long after, yeah. So then Kaprizov, it turns out he gets two goals in a minute and, and uh, five seconds here to get the uh, to get the hat trick. That's an unbelievable talent. And like we said, he's the type of game breaker that maybe they don't have on St. Louis the same yep. way. He gets three goals, and guess what? They win by four goals. So he's obviously a huge part of that. And he, uh, did he add any assists here too in last night's game? Nope, doesn't need to. Three goals, five shots. How are you? Uh, Joel Erickson had three points in this game as well. Minnesota, man, they needed that bounce back because they got absolutely bullied in game one. So that series is tied at one. Same with Edmonton and Los Angeles. You can't lose both at home and expect to win a series. That must have been the message from Jay Woodcroft. There's certainly a level of, of um, you know, jump for that. No goals in the first period, but Pelzi. Once they got on the power play in the second, two goals in the first six minutes, and they just carried that momentum all the way throughout. And talk about a bounce-back performance from the team. How about Mike Smith getting a shutout after being really in an island of his own, not only playing the puck, but as the guy responsible for that first game loss? Yeah, as a goalie-friendly show, we love to see that bounce-back from Mike Smith because he he was the reason for that loss, that play. It was a four, three game. They lost and that play caused the the big goal. And then for him, he didn't, I, I think he was uh, in his, in his early twenties. The last time he had a playoff win, like he had gone <laughs> 10 consecutive games without a playoff win. And then he gets a shutout just to kind of put the exclamation point on that and tell yeah. everyone, Hey, no, I can get it done still here in my forties. And I said it, that was, that was the biggest must win of that night. And Boy, did they ever get a win there. And and LA, they were kind of, they were shooting themselves in the foot. Like a couple of those goals were a result of bad plays and deflecting the puck into their own net. So you just knew the Oilers were going to break through. And boy, did they ever break through. Six, nothing win. Yep. And Connor McDavid scored zero goals. I mean, he gets two assists. He's plus three on the night. This is though, where you really look at it from the Oilers perspective. And you're like, okay. Awesome. They didn't have to burn out their big guns. McDavid played under 17 minutes. Wow. He played 15 minutes. That's Super massive. Super rare for those guys. Yeah, that's They were all three lines pretty much. Like Fogel, Cassian, both under 10 minutes in last night's game, but everyone else all between 13 and 19 minutes. Yep, and Darnell Nurse gets his first playoff goal. He, right. he had a big I, I meant forwards. There. Nurse played. Actually, Nurse only played 19 minutes as well. Evan wow. Bouchard actually led all, all defense, and he's quietly having a sick season. Yeah, uh, Evan Bouchard, three assists in two games, uh, 43 points this season as a D-man. So shout out to him. But yeah, sir, I just wanted to clarify it was the forwards that all played under 20 minutes. Yep, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so a lot of series get tied up at one now, and – for for fans that don't have any skin in the game, more playoff hockey, sign me up. Yes, no question about that. Tonight's game's looking good as well. Give me, uh, let's just talk about it in your parlay of the day. I also have a couple Senators today in Sens history notes Ooh. that I want to get to. Do you want to do your parlay first or should we hit on the Sens? 
Actually, no, let's tease the parlay, Ross, because I'm feeling very confident about this one. And I know maybe I've said that in one of the last 14 straight uh, parlays that failed. But this one, I've only got a couple shekels left in my betonline.ig account responsibly, responsibly a couple shekels <laughs> left. And I'm putting it all on this one. So Ooh. if you guys think you're going to fade this one, that's a big mistake. 19 years ago today, on May 5th, 2003, the Ottawa Senators defeated the Philadelphia Flyers 5-1 to advance to the Eastern Conference Final for the first time in franchise history. And was that the series where Patrick Aleem had, like, godly numbers? Like, didn't he get two shutouts in in that? Three? So that yeah. was, was that the only game he didn't get a shutout then? No, or, sorry, no, no, wrong series, wrong series, wrong, wrong year. I think that was 2002 that you're talking about. Okay. This was uh, 2003. They won in uh, in five games, wait, four, six games, uh, the series here. They're, they were tied at two after four games. They they actually, both their losses were shutout losses yep. in this series. Uh-oh. They lost 2 nothing at home in game two and one nothing on the road in game four. And they're like, you know what? Why don't we just try to score some goals? They score yeah, five cool. goals in game five and five goals in game six. And leading the way in game six, they actually had six different goal scores in that game. Let's see how many you can name. Oh, no. This is no good for anyone. What year are we in? 2003. Take a little time capsule. Oh, yeah. So just how many years? That's like 19 years ago. A lot of them are names that you'll know. Mike Fisher. Goal. Peter Schaefer. Goal. Oh, man, I'm good. Uh, oh, boy. Couple easy ones. Spezza? Nope. Spezza was not in the lineup. This was the year where he was still a boy and not a man, according okay. to Okay, Alfie. Mike Alfie. Correct. Yeah. Alfie. Gotta get that in there. Wade Redden. Two more. No, Redden. Redden had two assists, though. Chara. Nope. No points. Plus three. One you're going to get. One you're not going to get. Nah, I'm done. I'm done. All right. Done. All right. Martin Havlat, goal and oh, assist. Okay. Should have got that one. Yes. And Brian Smolinski. Oh, nice. Yes, sir. So there you go. The Senators right. winning 5-1 on this day in 2003 to advance to the Eastern Conference Final for the first time in franchise history. That playoff series really had a big part in me falling in love with the Ottawa Senators. They beat the Islanders in five games in round one, and then they beat, obviously, Philadelphia in that series against New Jersey. Man, I'm still not over. Game seven, three minutes left. Jeff Friesen on a break. Don't even get me started. However, another good memory on this day in Sens history. Pilsy, I think you'll know this one. The line brawl against the Montreal Canadiens in game three. The Senators win 6-1 on the score sheet. A 20-year-old Jean-Gabriel Pajot scores a hat-trick against his, I guess, native team in a sense, being on that side of the bridge. You know what I mean. It's still special when you're a French-Canadian kid playing against the Montreal Canadiens. And that might have been the best game I've ever been to live. Easily. I mean, that Jared Cowan, that was his shining The ragdoll? 
as a senator. Yes, that, like I'll never forget how badly it was. It was White, right? That yes, he just White started. Pummeled. White started the line brawl. So it, it happened so quickly. There was this unbelievable rush up the ice. It was Carlson, Turris, and Alfredson. Turris ends up scoring the goal, and then off the next faceoff, yeah, Ryan White decides to two hand Zach Smith in the back of the legs. Did he not see who was on the ice? Yeah, for check Ottawa? the game notes, bud. Check the game notes, pal. It was Zach Smith, Matt Cassian, who was a guest on this show. Yep. Go back, just search Locked On Centers, Matt Cassian. You got to hear him tell the story. Entire rundown of that night Chris Neal, Jared Cowan, and Chris Phillips all on the ice. Big the noise. only thing that would have made it more wild is if Ray Emery had been in goal for them <laughs> yep. there. But there was no Tandy fight, full line brawl, though. And you mentioned Colby Armstrong earlier in this, uh, in this, uh, show and he was the guy who um matt cassian tried to pop his eyes out as he yep. said he yeah. said he, they called our coach a bug-eyed walrus i wanted to see, see if i could squeeze his eyeballs out of his head <laughs> oh it's absolutely wild and then to add insult to injury the senators win all five fights montreal gets the instigator penalty and what happens off the opening face-off afterwards of course because there's a penalty they go in the offensive zone scramble draw Silverberg goes skate to stick back of the net and all of a sudden what was a 1-1 game after the second period I think people forget that it was a close yeah. game back to back or end to end action and then all of a sudden the wheels fell off for Montreal and that's all she wrote actually I mean game four was still it. close but that was easily the best game you buy the seat but you only use the edge I had an aisle seat actually. <laughs> I was running up and down the, the aisle there oh, in, I believe in 319 it. it was a great great night you think my voice was bad last week. You should have heard it the day after that game. It was absolutely unbelievable. Great memory in Sen's history. Hopefully we'll have more memories like that going forward. But Pillsy, I want to make a good memory out of your parlay of the day. Because if people are watching on YouTube, I'm curious how bad this is going to get. Pillsy's parlay of the day, playoff parlay of the day, 0 for 3 right now. Shout out Bet Online. 0 for 3, yes. Yes, it is 0 for 3. So but, far though. Ross, if this is a four-game series... I got time to come back. It's not oh, over yeah. yet. I, or uh, seven game series, I, I mean, obviously. <laughs> uh, I got time to come back here. So, like I said, I only got a little bit left in the account and I'm going all in here. So, first, the New York Rangers. They go to triple overtime. Igor Shosturkin makes 79 goddamn saves and they still lose. It's their game to win. And now they were facing the backup into Smith. Now they're facing the third stringer in Louis Domingue. They have to get this done. They cannot go down 2-0. So that's happening for sure. New York Rangers, money line, minus 160. And then, I don't know why I didn't do this before, Ross, but this is the easiest place to put in a parlay. The Colorado Avalanche. Like, <laughs> what uh, are they, minus 380? Well, nice. That's, that's how you know Ross is a true degenerate gambler. Minus 385. You're pretty damn close there. So... <laughs> I know that's not great, but I just, I need something. I need a win here. So yeah, I need you, a win too. I'm ice cold. Well, hey, follow ride uh, ride along with Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. It's not going to lose. There's no I way. actually, if I had a two game parlay last night, I would have won. But I tried to be a hero and I added St. Louis at the end. No, you can't be a hero in the parlay Brutal. game, Ross. Let me tell you that Brutal. you cannot be a hero. You have to humble yourself. So oh, I am humbled <laughs> right now. Just had to add a few more bucks in. New York Rangers money line, Colorado okay. Avalanche money line. If you put 
$10.68, hypothetically, that's all the money you have left in your account, <laughs> bet responsibly at betonline.ag, you would win $11.18, so pretty much like almost dead even odds, but we're doing it, we're going, that is Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day, let's go. Oh my god, alright, speaking of let's go, let's finish off the show strong with a tankathon spin, Ooh. Pilsy, we need good juju we're only five days away by the way it's tuesday night so we've only got a finite amount of spins remaining and i'm going to pull it up here on my screen and pilsy since we've got this all settled up i'll do my spin first and we gotta let the good people see the results here so i'll uh i'll give your spin as well if you will let me first spin on the tankathon website tankathon.com Eight. <sighs> Come on. Like, are you serious? It's we- going it, to, I thought my gut was telling me seven, but I mean, five straight eight spins. It's going to be eight. All right. You ready for the spin? Yeah. Spin me. Seven. Okay. That's an improvement. I mean, come on. We haven't won first or second at all. Yeah. This was so much more fun to do when they had three and five. Oh my God. So much more fun. Yeah. And I mean, the world was literally standing still. We had nothing else to get excited about. So that was an absolute blast. So five times we've hit uh, eight and once we've hit seven yep. so far through six spins. So math guy, we've got four, six more spins because Tuesday night is the draft lottery. So we have Friday show, Monday show and Tuesday show to figure out our problems here or you know what we're doing pilsy we're just saving the right result for the time up we don't want to waste all of the good bullets in the lottery for the simulator you don't want to hit your stride too early yeah that's true exactly just like your parlay yeah we're working our way into it with our ten dollars and 68 cents remaining in the account i hope you enjoyed today's show we will be back tomorrow to preview game two for the belleville sends get back into playoff action and Again, let us know what you think Josh Norris's contract should be as we will continue to sprinkle in sense topics throughout this next stretch, at least till the end of the first round. And then we'll, once Belleville season ends, Pilsy and I are going to get into the lab and put together our third annual Senators Organizational Value Rankings. And I can already tell you, Pilsy, there's going to be a new number one. There's going to be a new number one in the Organizational Value ranking so stay tuned for all that and more throughout the offseason you can follow the show online on twitter at send central on instagram locked on dot senators please subscribe to the show on youtube getting ever so close to 2000 at brandon pillar one is where you can find pilsy at ross levitan for me we always do appreciate you making us your first listen of the day thank you very much we'll chat tomorrow for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast Your team every day.